Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. To all my bed crimers, I hope you guys are having a lovely weekend. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out my channel. Let me just ask that after listening to this video or watching it, if you find you enjoyed it or learned something, do me a favor, smash the like button, subscribe to my channel, and leave me a comment. Now, let's dig in. First, let me say that suspect Brian Koberger is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. However, the police believe he's the person who harmed Kaylee Gonsalves, Maddie Mogan, Zana Cronodo, and Ethan Chapin. It is upon that backdrop that I speak just for the record. I wanted to go back to the many posts that Koberger is believed to have made on a message board for sufferers of visual snow syndrome. In case you aren't familiar with this, let me briefly explain. Visual snow syndrome is an uncommon neurological condition in which people see persistent flickering white, black, transparent, or colored dots across their whole visual field. A person going under the moniker E-X-A-R-R dot those with visual snow posted many lengthy comments about the debilitating symptoms he was experiencing and that he attributed to having this syndrome. That person appears to have been Brian Koberger. For the sake of this discussion, let's assume that it was Koberger. The particular post I'm going to talk about was made on July 4th of 2011, when Koberger would have been age 16. It struck me that Brian Koberger wrote this long post on July 4th. The 4th of July is a day in the United States when most Americans are celebrating, spending time with family and friends, feeling carefree, eating cupcakes with red, white, and blue frosting, lighting sparklers and firecrackers, and watching fireworks displays. It sounds like Brian Koberger was hooked up to a computer, typing this disturbing post and feeling in a very bad way, instead of enjoying the holiday with friends and family that year. A major theme of this particular post is something called depersonalization. The first sentence of the post says, and I quote, I have had this horrible depersonalization go on in my life for almost two years. Not really understanding depersonalization, I looked the term up on the Mayo Clinic website. Here's what it said. Depersonalization slash derealization disorder occurs when you persistently or repeatedly have the feeling that you're observing yourself from outside your body, or you have a sense that things around you aren't real, or both. Feelings of depersonalization and derealization can be very disturbing and may feel like you're living in a dream. Many people have a passing experience of depersonalization or derealization at some point. But when these feelings keep occurring, or never completely go away, and interfere with your ability to function, it's considered depersonalization slash derealization disorder. 
This disorder is more common in people who've had traumatic experiences. End quote. The only major trauma we've heard about Brian Koberger suffering are the extreme bullying and rejection that he, by all accounts, faced in both middle and high school. That's when he was about 100 pounds overweight, and when at least one girl he liked, a blonde cheerleader, not only rejected him, but allegedly did it in the most humiliating way, telling him he was a creep and telling him to go away. Mayo Clinic's definition of depersonalization goes on to say that symptoms usually begin in the mid to late teens or early adulthood, and that would fit with Koberger's timeline. In this July 4, 2011 post, he was about 16, and he stated that he'd had this horrible depersonalization for almost two years. That would have made him 14 when it started. Mayo Clinic lists the symptoms of depersonalization and those of derealization separately. Here are the symptoms that go with depersonalization. One, feeling that you're an outside observer of your thoughts, feelings, your body, or parts of your body. For example, as if you were floating in the air above yourself. Two, feeling like a robot or that you're not in control of your speech or movements. Three, the sense that your body, legs, or arms appear distorted, enlarged, or shrunken, or that your head is wrapped in cotton. Four, emotional or physical numbness of your senses or responses to the world around you. Five, a sense that your memories lack emotion and that they may be or may not be your own memories. Here are the derealization symptoms. 1. Feelings of being alienated from or unfamiliar with your surroundings, for example, like you're living in a movie or a dream. 2. Feeling emotionally disconnected from people you care about, as if you were separated by a glass wall. 3. Surroundings that appear distorted, blurry, colorless, two-dimensional, or artificial, or a heightened awareness and clarity of your surroundings. Let me jump in here and ask, do you think this third symptom could be what Koberger thought was visual snow syndrome? Could he have been suffering from depersonalization derealization syndrome instead of visual snow. The fourth symptom of derealization are distortions in perception of time, such as recent events feeling like distant past. And finally, the fifth symptom, distortions of distance and the size and shape of objects. The fifth symptom also seems like it could explain the visual problems Koberger described suffering. Back to his July 4th post, and I'm going to share a few more sentences from that post that stand out to me. They're not going to be in a specific order. I'm going to jump to the sentences in the post that stuck out to me. Here we go. I feel like an organic sack of meat with no self-worth, as I'm starting to view everyone as this. 
I'm stuck in this void of nothing, feeling completely no emotion, feeling nothing. I feel dirty, like there is dirt inside my head, my mind. I'm always dizzy and confused. I feel no self-worth. I'm stuck in the depths of my mind, where I have to constantly battle my demons. Am I here or am I fake? I feel myself slipping away. I hear screams faintly. I might spiral out of control and lose myself in the void. Now I look in the mirror and I see this sickly, tired, useless, and stupid man in the mirror. He's a complete disgrace. He doesn't even deserve to live. I used to be healthy, blonde-haired boy with blue eyes, and in a few years I have darker hair and darker eyes. Nothing I do is enjoyable. I am blank. I have no opinion. I have no emotion. I have nothing. Can you relate? End quote. To me, to be feeling this depressed, detached, and devoid of emotion at age 16 drives home that Brian Koberger was definitely suffering from mental health issues, perhaps part genetic, but also perhaps brought about by the devastating rejection and bullying he experienced. It sounds like instead of telling his parents and seeking professional therapy, he was self-diagnosing, and he preferred to share his secret issues with strangers on this board. The sentence where he talks about being a healthy, blonde-haired boy with blue eyes, and then in a few years having darker hair and darker eyes, I'm wondering if this exterior shift that he noticed in his physical appearance, going from blonde hair and blue eyes to dark hair and dark eyes, is reflective of what was going on inside his head. Is this the pivot point in his life when he went from being an average young boy with the normal angst that goes along with puberty to a kid on the path to severe mental health issues? Is the darkness he saw in his hair color and eyes a sign that mental illness was taking root in his mind? I've seen photos of a famous person whose face became very altered as she began to experience mental health issues. I'm a huge fan of author F. Scott Fitzgerald. You might recognize the name because he's the guy who wrote The Great Gatsby. Fitzgerald's wife, Zelda, was heralded in her youth for her beauty. She was the belle of the Southern Ball, who caught Fitzgerald's eye at a young age. Sadly, for both F. Scott Fitzgerald and Zelda, later in life she began to suffer from a decline in her mental well-being. Back then, she was diagnosed with schizophrenia. But according to Dr. Stephen Bowie, the last medical director at the Highland Psychiatric Hospital in North Carolina, where Zelda was hospitalized until her death, if Zelda were diagnosed today, she would probably be said to have had bipolar disorder. The reason I bring up Zelda Fitzgerald is that if you look at photos of her from before the onset of her mental illness, 
to when she landed in the psychiatric facility. Her face was very much altered, and it appears her hair and eyes became dark. And this wasn't just an issue with aging. It was her once delicate features turned heavy, and it was a very shocking change. I found an article on the New York Times website entitled, Could Mental Illness Be Written in a Face? According to the article, researchers at Harvard's McLean Hospital used a $3 million grant to explore why only one member of a family where multiple family members carry schizophrenia genes ends up showing signs of the illness. Dr. Deborah Levy, who was the director of the lab conducting the study, said that the idea is that schizophrenia results from a critical combination of genes, perhaps a variable handful of them, and that the relatives of a person who actually comes down with the disease may carry one or more of the same genes as that person, but those relatives who never developed schizophrenia may be missing the one critical component that leads to the disease. That would explain why, say, one child in a family comes down with schizophrenia when the other children do not. The article went on to say that the effects of the genes that do lead to schizophrenia may show up in a variety of subtle physical ways, including faulty eye tracking and asymmetry in facial features so hard to detect that it's best measured by highly specialized 3D cameras. So the eye tracking problem would be detected when a doctor asks a patient to follow the movement of his or her hand. The asymmetry in facial features would require a specialized camera to detect. For this study, people with schizophrenia and their relatives without it underwent 10 to 12 hours of tests. They gave blood for DNA testing, and they answered questions about symptoms. They also had to describe what they saw in ink blots, and their eye movements were recorded by a special camera as they tracked a ball moving across a computer monitor. They also listened to various beeps and tones as their brain responses were measured, and finally their faces were measured in minute detail by a genetics expert named Curtis Deutsch, who focuses on facial variations and their links to various diseases. Deutsch said, and I quote, Most people do not know it, but in embryos, the brain and the face develop at around the same time from the same embryonic area and are shaped by similar forces. So subtle abnormalities in the shape and layout of a face may reflect specific abnormalities in brain structure. End quote. Thus far, Deutsch said he has found that some schizophrenics do have certain minor facial anomalies. Two brothers who participated in this study wanted to be part of it because their younger brother suffers from schizophrenia while they do not. They feel like their younger brother got dealt the joker. They described their younger brother's illness like this. He was full of life until the disease struck him at 18, and he ended up 
shut out of any sort of normal life, of any sort of career, any sort of lasting partner relationship, lasting friendships, because he was not capable. It's criminal, end quote. I can't help but wonder what some of these researchers would make of Brian Koberger. Would they see anything in the symmetry of his face, or asymmetry of his face, and in the tracking movements of his eyes that would signal a genetic predisposition to some form of mental illness? Could the changes from light to dark that he noticed in his hair and eye color truly be indicative of when possible mental illness potentially triggered by the trauma of severe bullying and rejection veered him off the path of the straight and narrow and on to the dark road that allegedly led him to taking the lives of these four precious students. What do you guys think? Let me know in the comments. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories.